Good morning, good news. How we doing? Man, what a beautiful day that the Lord has made. We are so excited that you could be here with us and worship the Savior together. My name is Strider. I'm one of the pastors here, and, uh, and a, a special welcome to you if you are new or visiting. Uh, there is something that we call the Connect Card. It looks like this. It's in, in the seat backs in front of you. Would love for you to take one of those out, uh, fill it out, give us as much contact information as you feel comfortable with, and you can put those in the black boxes on your way out uh, this morning. If you look at the bottom of the Connect card, there's, there's a couple of options to take a next step. And uh, one of those is if you would like to have lunch with a pastor. Smiley uh, loves taking people out to lunch. As a matter of fact, it's really fun to hear him talk about the people that he goes to lunch with, new guests, visitors, as he gets to know their stories, listen to them. And we'd love to help you get connected to the body here at Good News. And so if you'd like to have lunch with Smiley, you can mark that on your card. The other thing at the very bottom is uh, if you would like to come to the Discover Good News class. We have two of those uh, coming up for the month of April. Uh, it's always the third Saturday and the third Wednesday of the month. And uh, if you've been coming to Good News uh, for a while and would like to make Good News your church home, that is your next step. Uh, but also, if you're new and just curious about who we are, what we believe, what we're about here at Good News, that's another. You're invited to come to that as well. We would love to have you. Uh, just register for that on your card. You can just write your your name and give us your email address and which uh, of the two classes works better for your schedule. And then Mindy, our administrative assistant, will reach out and uh, make sure that you're all squared away and set to go. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we are two weeks away from Easter, y'all. I feel like 2023 is just flying by. And uh, we got a couple of uh, fun things coming up that I just want to draw your attention to. And the first is this. Next Sunday, uh, that is uh, April the 2nd, Palm Sunday, we're going to be having a lunch after the 1030 service. Uh, Carabas is catering that. Thank you, Matt Sylvester. And so if you want to, if you like delicious food and you like fun people, you're invited to come uh, to that lunch. It'll be, uh, it'll be really, really special as we prepare uh, for, uh, for Easter. The other thing that's happening is on Friday, April the 7th, we are having a Good Friday service. Good news is um, one church with two campuses. And so our World Golf Village campus will be coming to join us uh, for that special occasion. Uh, that's at 630. And so if you'd like to come and, and worship uh, that evening on Good Friday, you are invited to, to do that. And lastly, on the night, that is that is Easter, we have uh, two services that morning, 9 and 1030. And Smiley's going to tell you a little bit more about those uh, in his message. But this is really fun. Today, we have a, a family uh, who's been coming to Good News uh, for a while. And this morning, they are coming uh, to make good news their church home. And so I'm going to invite the Gonzalez family to come on up. Yeah, you can clap for them. Smiley as well. So this is uh, Trevor, Sylvia, and uh, Olivia Gonzalez. And they've been coming to, uh, to good news for quite a while. And we're going to get you all right up here in the front. Very good. And uh, they're not they're not just a part of one small group. They're actually a part of two small groups. And so both of their small groups are coming up there to, to stand with them. So. Listen, when we do the membership vows, it's really good for us who are members to renew our own vows as we hear the vows that they take. So do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God? Justly deserving his wrath and hopeless without his mercy? Yes. Oh, I love to hear that. <laughs> do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners, and do you trust him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? Yes. yes. 
And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? Yes. And do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? Yes. I love this. <laughs> and do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? Yes. Oh, so thankful that you know Jesus. So thankful you're connected to us, two small groups. And so thankful you're making good news your church home because we really need Jesus and each other to follow Christ in our culture. So let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for Trevor, for Sylvia, for Olivia, for their faith in you, for plugging them into good news. We thank you for them joining today. Pray that they might feel welcome here and grow here. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to do something now, but encourage you after the service to make sure that all, they feel so glad to have you. Welcome. Good to have you. Thank you. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Okay. <clears throat> Last year, we had a strategic planning team, and we, we have some goals, and one of our goals is we want to improve our communication, so we're working on that, and uh, we had someone who uh, was a member who died after last Sunday and was buried on Friday. So we wanted to let you know that Ken Rankin, who had been a member here for a long time, he died this past week, and we had a service on Friday. And we're thankfully knew Jesus, and he went to be with him. Something about Ken that really impressed me is he was, they were married for 68 years. And that's pretty impressive. I mean, to be married for 68 years. Uh, we have Easter that's coming up, and we are really excited about that opportunity we have to invite others to come. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about this past week. Um, last year, I was praying that we would double the number of evangelists, and we went from 21 one year to 46 the next year. And I'm praying we'd double that again, which would be over 90 people. I'm actually praying that all of you would have a chance to lead someone to faith in Christ. But uh, we had six different people who professed faith in Christ this week, six people. And, uh, and we had three new people who led someone to faith in Christ. So we've seen 20 people so far this year who've had a chance to lead someone to faith in Christ. Can you imagine like hundreds of people in our church who have a chance to introduce a friend to faith in Christ? Wouldn't that be great? And wouldn't you love to be one of them? Uh, let's spend some time in prayer. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You alone are worthy of our worship. All-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, worthy, we are here to worship you. When we see you, we see ourselves differently, so we confess our sins to you. Those things we said and thought and did and left undone. Lord, thank you for opening our eyes and drawing us to you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a place to gather. Thank you for a gorgeous day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we are a needy people. You know our needs. Meet our needs. As we open your word, Holy Spirit, fall fresh and Lord, I pray that you would win the lost who are here and that you would build believers and equip workers and that you would multiply disciple makers. Lord, I'm praying for revival. We need a revival. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? 
Oh, Lord, may it happen today. May we leave here rejoicing that we know you. Lord, we pray for a great spiritual awakening in our land. Holy Spirit, fall fresh and, and show people how much we all need Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, today's message is titled, Church Are Us. And uh, I was thinking about that last week, teaching Discover Good News. We were walking through our, our beliefs, our doctrine, and we came to what we believe about the church. And so I'm going to ask you, would you read this with me? We believe the church is the body of Christ and his primary means of accomplishing his purposes in the world today. What if we believe that? That Jesus is the head, and when we're connected to the head, we're connected to each other, and we're his body. And that Jesus wants to work through his church to accomplish his purposes in the world today. And you might say, well, where would you get that idea? Well, let me show you. <clears throat> Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. I know, I tricked you a little bit. We're going to 1 Timothy, but we're going to Matthew 16 first. And uh, Jesus had asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And some said, uh, John the Baptist or a prophet. And, he, and Jesus, as we pick up the story now, John 16, or Matthew, John, Matthew, John, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> Matthew 16, 15, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Are you a Christian? Would you just take just a moment and say, Thank you, Jesus. I mean, thank you for opening my eyes. I didn't get to you on my own. You drew me to yourself. Thank you. That's what he's saying. Simon, you're so blessed because God's opened your eyes and you've said yes to Jesus. And then he says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus said it's to our advantage that I go away. So Jesus ascended into heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit, and his church was birthed. And Jesus said that he was going to build his church around the world, and nothing would stop it as the church spread the gospel around the world. Uh, matter of fact, Jesus said that his church would be like a rhinoceros. Do you, do you know... Do you know that rhinoceroses weigh several tons? And did you know they're incredibly fast? Did you know they can run faster than people can? That rhinoceros can run over 30 miles an hour, but they're also nearsighted. So they can't see as fast as they can run. So if, I run, if a rhinoceros is running 30 miles an hour, he can only see 30 feet ahead, and he can't see where he's going, but he figures that whatever's in his way is what? Is going to get out of the way. And that's what Jesus said. That he's going to build his church out of those who believe in him. And we don't know everything that's in, the, that's in our way, but we know this. With Jesus, he said nothing would stop the advance of the church. Nothing would stop the spread of the gospel around the world, not even the gates of hell. And that's what we need is an encouraged church. And that's why we're doing this message. Um, the point of today's message is actually just the purpose that we have as a church. I, I wanted us just to unpack our purpose a little bit. So will you say this with me? It's to make disciples together. See, disciples, we've been learning the last few years that a disciple is a, thank you, a follower of Jesus. 
A disciple is someone who says, I want to follow Jesus. And we've said, what does that look like? And we said, well, it looks like uh, someone who loves Jesus and loves one another and loves the lost. Uh, listen, how's your love for Jesus? If you'd like that love to grow, this is a great place to be. How's your love for one another? How's your love for the lost? Would you like to grow with us? That's why we're here. And when we mean together, that we need Jesus and each other to make disciples. And uh, so some of you probably say, well, you know, I'd like to be a disciple maker. I'd like to be a disciple, but I don't know how. And so we've been walking through 1 Timothy. And what we've seen in 1 Timothy is we get to listen in on disciple-making meetings. We wonder, well, what would happen if I'm discipling someone? What would I do? And so we get to listen week by week as Paul who's discipling Timothy and teaching him how to make disciples. He's teaching him how to be an effective pastor. So we get to listen in this morning, and it's really good. And we're going to learn a lot of tips this morning on disciple-making. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, prescribe and teach these things. Prescribe and teach these things. Listen, to be disciple-makers, we need to team up. We need to team up. Do you see what's happening? Paul is discipling Timothy and teaching him how to disciple others. Paul is teaching Timothy, and he wants Timothy to go and teach others. That each of us, if we want to be a disciple, if we want to be a disciple maker, we need a Paul. Who's our Paul? Who's the person that that we're following that's investing in us? And then we need a Timothy, someone that we're taking what we're learning and passing it on. And... When he says, prescribe and teach these things, what are these? You remember last week, previously on 1 Timothy? Remember last week we learned about godliness, that that godliness is being well devoted to Jesus? And we learned last week that godliness is profitable for all things, that treasuring Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, that it's profitable for this life and also in the life to come. And we learned how important it was that we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. So the first thing we learn about disciple-making is we need to team up. We need a Paul, and we need a Timothy. We need a team. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Greek culture valued age and experience. (laughs) Uh, That's not our culture, right? Our culture says to old people like me, go away. And our culture values youth, right? And so in a culture that valued age and experience, Paul was saying to Timothy, don't let people look down on you just because you're young. And by the way, he would have been in his 30s, but that was still considered young and without experience. And so he says, let no one look down on your youthfulness. And so I want you to understand that disciple-makers lead the way. He says, you're young, but lead the way. I was ordained as a pastor at 25, and I found it was really hard to lead up, to lead people who were older than me, to lead people who were 50 or 60 or 70. There's not many good things about getting old, but one thing is there's less and less people who are ahead, right? And more and more people who are behind, and it's much easier to lead down than to lead up. But what Paul is saying is that disciple-makers lead the way. They go first. That that they are tour guides, not travel agents, right? You you know what a travel agent, they just plan out your adventure. But a tour guide goes with you. He goes with you and he explains everything to you. That's what disciple-makers, hey, come follow Jesus with me. And we go together. So, So notice what he says. 
Show yourself an example of those who believe. Who believe what? Who believe the gospel? Show yourself as an example of those who believe the bad news of the gospel about sin and the good news of the gospel about Jesus, right? And his invitation to follow us, follow him. I mean, do you believe the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus saves sinners. Listen, the, the bad news is we have a problem called sin. We've all sinned against God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us have given God the honor and obedience and thankfulness that he deserves. So we've committed crime after crime against God, and God is just, and he says what we deserve for our sin is hell. But the good news the good news is Jesus came to seek and save sinners, that God the Son put on flesh and he came to earth and he lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross and died in our place. Hmm. Let me show you in 1 Peter chapter 3, um, verse 18. I mean, why did Jesus die? For Christ also died for, our sin, for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. This guy that I've been discipling, he spent the last couple of years reading through the New Testament, and now he's reading through the Older Testament, and he's just finishing reading Deuteronomy and all these sacrifices and all this blood and what's with all these animals and what, what is with all that? All those sacrifices taught people the penalty for sin is death, and we all deserve to die, and the blood of animals could never take away our sins. They all pointed to the one, Jesus the, the perfect sacrifice. He's fully God and fully man. His death could be in our place as our substitute as God. His death would be of infinite value. But notice, unlike the Old Testament sacrifice, his death would be once for all. The just, the perfect one dying for the unjust. Our sins placed on Jesus. He paid for them in full. He was buried the third day. He rose from the grave. And he offers us salvation as a free gift. And we might say, save from what? We're saved from sin, sin's penalty, which is death. We're saved from the devil. We're saved from sin. We're saved from death. We're saved from the devil. We're saved for forgiveness. We're saved for doing life with Jesus. We're saved for doing eternity with Jesus. And how are we saved? We're saved by faith, right? Oh. In Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord... What is saving faith? It's confessing Christ as Lord. I, I've taught you to before, but what's the difference between you and God? He doesn't think he's you. That's the difference. You see, we actually imagine that we're God. We can save ourselves. We're wiser than God. But the way you become a Christian is you recognize, I'm not God. You're God. You're Lord, not me. That's where it starts, when we recognize that we're not God, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The heart is the mind where we think, the emotions where we feel, and the will where we choose. When we understand that Christ died for our sins and rose, and we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, we're saved. Listen, if you've never been saved, the door's open today, but one day it'll be too late. Don't wait until it's too late. Saving faith is simple. It's the simplest A and B and C. And if you've never been saved, you can do so right now or in, when, as I close in prayer. But it starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. 
And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. Won't you do that? I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And if you have, do you hear what it says? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, your God I'm not, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The moment we believe we're forgiven, the moment we believe Jesus moves in, the moment we believe Jesus says, I'm Lord now, follow me. He says, follow me. And Jesus becomes our model for life and ministry. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. So in our passage, where it says, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, the Holy Spirit says, don't you see the way Jesus speaks? Don't you want to speak like that? Follow him. Conduct. Don't you see the way Jesus lived? Don't you want to live like like that? Follow Jesus. Love. Don't you see the way Jesus loved people? Don't you want to be like that? Follow Jesus. Faith. Don't you see how he lived my faith? Don't you want to live my faith? Live my faith. Look at Jesus. See how he lived a life of purity? How beautiful that is? Don't you want to live like that? Follow him. And as we follow him, let's reach out to others and say, hey, come follow me. Come follow Jesus with me. Let's do this together. So disciple makers, they team up. They lead the way. They don't push people. They get out in front and lead the way. Verse 13, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Uh, At that time, individuals didn't own copies of the Bible. But a church, a church would have a place where there was a Bible. And Sunday... Oh, man, Sunday disciples, because disciple makers love God's word, they love God's word, that that on Sundays they could come and they could hear God's word. Do you realize that's still true in many places? This week I was listening to a podcast of this lady who smuggles Bibles into China. She smuggles Bibles into China, and the goal of her organization is that every house church could have one Bible. Can you imagine being in a place where only, only the church had a Bible and that's where we went? Oh, the communist gun government is so afraid of the Bible because of the power of God's word that they forbid their people to have them. But here was a time, man, Sunday came and, and, and disciple makers knew that, listen, they were going to hear God's word. And so part of worship is the reading of God's word. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm reading the word. And then there's the teaching. I'm explaining the word. And then there's the exhortation. That's persuasion. I don't want to just teach you. I want to persuade you. Believe in Jesus. Follow Jesus. Oh. Worship is so important in the life of a disciple maker because God's word is so important. It was important in the life of Jesus. Um, let me show you. In Luke, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the sa- synagogue on the Sabbath. So Jesus' custom was on the Sabbath, he would be in a synagogue. You know why? Because there was a copy 
of the Word of God in the synagogue. And so he wanted to be where God's Word was. Do we? As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Can you imagine that we didn't own a copy of the Bible? And you go in, and they hand you God's Word. And he took the prophet Isaiah, and, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book. He opened the Word of God, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he began to, to read the Scriptures and to teach and to exhort. Now, we, we, we learned last week that there's one God, but he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you pick that up in verse uh, 18, we have the Spirit, we have God the Spirit, right? Of the Lord, God the Father is upon me, God the Son, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. You see, that's what disciple makers, they love to come to church to be reminded that we too have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. We too can carry out that work of preaching the gospel to the poor and release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed. God's word was precious to Jesus. The public reading and preaching of God's word was precious in the life of Jesus. Is it in ours? Disciple makers love God's word. They love to hear God's Word. <clears throat> they love to read God's Word. Do you? Remember last week we read in 1 Timothy 4, verse 6? Remember when we read, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith. I mean, if we believe the Bible was the Word of God, wouldn't we want to be continually nourished on it? The words of the faith are the gospel, continually nourished on the gospel. And of sound doctrine, we want to be taught God's word because sound doctrine provides a firm foundation for life and families and ministry, right? Uh, so listen, disciple makers, they, they love Sunday mornings, a chance to hear God's word. They love to get up and, and read the scriptures and pray uh, alone with Jesus and I often talk about uh, having breakfast with Jesus. And so last week, someone said, well, Smiley, when you have breakfast with Jesus, do you actually eat with him? And I thought about that for a moment. I said, well, actually, I do. Let me show you. Oh, in John chapter 6, when I have breakfast with Jesus in the morning, listen, John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. Do you know what Jesus serves me? The bread of life. Remember what Jesus said? Man does not live on, but on every word that proceeds from the... Do you know how good it is to get up in the morning and eat the bread of life? And, and what do I drink? Jesus said, if we drink from him, we'll never thirst. What, he, he serves me living water. He says, come and drink and thirst no more. Come and drink and from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Huh. Do we do that? Do we get up excited each day to eat the bread of life and be satisfied to drink living water to receive power for all day long? Oh, disciple makers, they team up. Disciple maker, makers, they lead the way. They love God's word. Do you? Verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of the hands by the presbytery. 
um, disciple makers use their spiritual gifts, they use their spiritual gifts. Now, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit and the church was birthed. And then Jesus gave gifts to his church, spiritual gifts to his church. And one of the gifts that Jesus gives to his church is the gift of pastor teachers, of pastor teachers. Let me show you that. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. And the apostles and prophets give us the newer testament, the foundation of the church and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. So I'm a gift to the body, I'm a pastor teacher, and what am I to do for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ? Notice, I'm not called to do the ministry of the church. I'm called to equip you. I'm the pastor, you're the ministers. I'm the equipper. You're the disciple makers. I'm here to equip you to make disciples so you can make disciples who make disciples so that every person in our county can be one to Christ. So Timothy, Timothy was a pastor. To be a pastor starts, we need a calling, a calling. First, there's an inner calling that I felt called by Jesus to preach the gospel. Smiley, I want you to preach the gospel. There's an inner calling but to be a pastor, there needs to be an outer calling, a confirmation by the body of Christ. So there were people who confirmed my giftedness. And then I was trained. I went to seminary. And at the end of seminary, then I was examined by the presbytery. That is, the elders and churches in the area, they examined me to make sure that I knew Christ, to make sure that I had the giftedness and the character, and I was orthodox in my belief. And then, after I was examined, they laid their hands on me, they ordained me, and they set me apart for the gospel ministry. Strider's in that process now. And that's what had happened to Timothy. Timothy had felt called to the ministry. It had been confirmed by others. He had been trained. Then he had been ordained, the laying on of hands. And now Paul was saying, use your gift. Use your gift. You're a pastor. Use your gift. Don't bury it. And we're not all pastors, but we're all gifted. We're all gifted for ministry. In 1 Timothy, or 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each one has received a special gift. Don't you love your birthday or Christmas? There's a gift and it's got your name on it, Right? And you can't wait to open it up. When you're a Christian, Jesus gives you a gift. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Listen, there's such a great variety of giftedness. Find your gift and use it. Two basic kinds, whoever speaks, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Some people are gifted with speaking gifts. They can sing, they can preach, teach, they're effective evangelists. They're speaking gifts. And then notice what? There's also serving gifts. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. There's helps, mercy, administration. There's serving gifts to whom belongs the glory of dominion forever and ever. Amen. Last Friday, we had Ken's funeral. And I did the funeral, and I stood and spoke about Ken, and I shared the gospel, and, and I'm gifted to do that. And then I went home 
my mother-in-law lives with us, and she got a new bed, and the most frightening words in the English language were there. Partial assembly required. <laughs> it's not hard for me to figure out whether my gifts are speaking gifts or serving gifts, right? Oh, but I'm smart, so I had our son Luke came by. <laughs> and Luke is really good at serving, and so he put it together. That's how the body of Christ is. Some of us have speaking gifts. Some of us have serving gifts. And when we use our gifts to batter together, we're so much more effective as a church. So disciple makers, they, they team up. Uh, they lead the way. They love God's word. They use their spiritual gifts. Um, verse 15, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Listen, Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. Listen, when we want to be disciple makers, we work at it. We want to grab Jesus and, and follow Jesus. Paul says, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. But we're invited, come with me, come with, because we're leading the way. Listen, if we want the people we're discipling to love Jesus, let's go first. Let's love Jesus and show the way. If we want those we're discipling to love one another, let's go first. If we want them to love lost people, let's go first and lead the way. <clears throat> Disciple makers, they team up, they lead the way, they love God's word, they use their gifts. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. Disciple makers abide. Disciple makers abide in Jesus. It's, it's one thing to believe in him, and that's important, but then we abide. Abiding is the key to being a disciple maker. In John 15, <clears throat> verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me. And I want to give you a definition for the word abide. It means to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. If you're a Christian, you have a friend. So, so really, the key to disciple making is to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so that's what verse 16 is talking about. He says, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Persevere. Persevere in these things. Abide. Have you noticed in our culture people pay a lot of attention to other people's conduct and other people's teaching, right? And they love to criticize them. But listen, if we believe the gospel, we realize that no one is more capable of wrecking their lives than we are. So instead of worrying so much about everyone else, we pay attention to our conduct. We pay attention to our teaching. And here's what I observe. observe. <clears throat> a lot of people wreck their lives through their conduct, don't they? And it's really a repeating pattern. I see people and they wreck their lives through sex and money and power. Sex and it's just over and over again. And, and so what I want to do is I want to overestimate the, da the danger, underestimate my ability and stay far, far away from wrecking my life through sex outside of marriage or the love of money or, or being controlling and in power. Um, I don't want to wreck my life. And when I wreck my life, it affects so many other people too. I also notice that people are, 
they wreck their life through their teaching. As they move away from the teaching of the Bible and they begin to deconstruct their faith, when they say that they no longer believe what they once professed, I see that and I want to stay far away from that, don't you? Persevere in these things. Persevere. Keep an eye on your conduct, the way you're living. Keep an eye on your beliefs to make sure that you're not led astray. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. If we keep a watch on our own behavior, it'll keep us from wrecking our lives and enable us to help disciple others. And what I want you to know is this is the best time ever to be a Christian It's the best time ever to be in the church because we have exactly what our culture needs. We have grace and we have truth. And if there's two things our culture doesn't have is grace or truth. Uh, Grace. Uh, Let me me show you grace. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27, after that, Jesus went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi, also known as Matthew, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind, and he got up and began to follow him. Now, you need to know that tax gatherers, they were canceled people. They were hated by the in crowd as Jewish people. They were hated. And yet Jesus says, follow me. Jesus extended grace to him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house, and there was a great crowd of tax collectors. And other people who were reclining at the table with him. So all these sinners have come together. The Pharisees and their scribes began pointing out at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? See, these were bad people. They were evil people. How could you eat with evil people? Don't we hear that today? And what did Jesus say? And Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't come to help good people get better. He didn't. He he came to save sinners like me and you. Oh, imagine our lives full of grace. Wouldn't that be good? What if our homes, what if our homes were full of grace? Wouldn't that be great in our What if our church was full of grace? What if we extended grace into our culture? Wouldn't that be great? Um... Know what else we have? Truth. Oh, our culture so desperately needs truth, and we have it. Remember what Jesus said in John 8? In John 8, 31, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Oh, We live in a postmodern culture that says there's no such thing as truth, but we're Christians. We believe there is truth, and we believe it's knowable because it's in God's Word. I want to teach you something I've taught you before, but listen, it's really important. If I teach you and you go teach someone else, Mabel, you'll remember it. How do we know if something is true? There's the standard of truth. The standard of truth is God's word is true. Jesus is the truth. When we read the Bible, we know the truth. That's the standard of truth. Does it conform to God's word? But then there's the evidence of truth. And the evidence of truth is, does it conform to reality? Does it fit the world we live in? And if something conforms to God's word and conforms to reality, we know it's true. 
Now, I'm not making this up, but <clears throat> this week I'm watching a man on the street video, and the guy goes to New York City, and he goes to two places. He goes to Columbia University, where really smart people go, and he went to Harlem, where everyday people are. And he asked them both a question. And the question was, can men have babies? And the really smart people, highly educated people at Columbia University, person after person said, men can have babies. And then the same guy went to Harlem and talked to everyday people and said, can men have babies? And that's, that's crazy that God made us male and female and women have babies. So listen, our culture is confused, are we? We come together and we have a standard, right? And it's this, what? What does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches that God made us male and female, right? And you need a male and female to have babies, right? That's the standard. How about the evidence? Karen and I have six kids. <laughs> Guess who gave birth to all of them? I know what a woman is. She is. I'm not. Our culture so desperately needs a confident church, a church that's full of grace and truth. It's exactly what our culture needs, and we have it, and we can't keep it to ourselves. So disciple makers, they, um, they team up. They lead the way. They love God's Word. They use their gifts. They abide. Don't you want to be one? Listen, the action step for this week is I, I just want you to take a step, to take a step. Uh, all of us can take a step to be a disciple maker. Just take a step. Don't, listen, pry yourself out of a seat. Take one step. Take a step. For some of us, it's the first step. Believe in Jesus, won't you? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. One day it'll be too late. Don't wait. Admit, believe, commit. Some of us can take the step to team up, to team up. Who is my Paul? Who is my Timothy? Hey, you don't have anybody. Come talk to me. We'll find someone. Who's my Paul? Who will help me? Who will disciple me? And then who will I pass it on to? Lead the way. Lead the way. Uh, love God's word. Listen, when Sundays come, let's look forward to gathering where God's word is read and taught, and exhorted. And when we come, let's hear God's Word, and then let's pray God's Word, and then let's go and share with others what we learned. That's how we become disciple-makers. And, and when we get up this week, let's read God's Word, right? And then we pray God's Word, and then let's make a habit to go and share with others what we learn. We receive, and then we give, right? Let's use our spiritual gifts. Well, smiley, I don't know what my gift is. Uh, listen, if, if you don't know what your gift is, don't ask the question, what's my gift? Just say, how can I help? How can I serve? And I believe as you start serving, you'll find what you enjoy. You'll, you'll find that you get energy serving in the area of your gift is. Listen, there'll be fruit. If you're gifted in administration, you can take chaos and you can turn it into order. Well, that's where I'm gifted. And, and then it's important that we confirm as a body, you're really good at that. Use your gift. Abide. Abide. 
Keep a close watch on your conduct and your teaching. Be with a friend who loves you and stay there. And one of the best ways, one of the best ways to abide is to engage in the mission. And we all have an incredible opportunity to do this together over the next few weeks. Listen, Easter is two weeks away. And I would really encourage you. Won't you join our Easter team? I'd love if you take the connect card, the seat in front of it, and you'd let me know how you'd like to be a part of the team. Put your email address on there, will you? All of us can pray. Won't you pray for the next two? Who do you want to be in here to hear the gospel? Won't you pray? Won't you pray the place would be filled with people to hear the gospel? Won't you? You can invite. Even if you're going to be out of town, you can invite. Wow, we have our invitations uh, in two weeks, there'll be no, they won't be valuable, but they're really valuable now in the lobby. Won't you get postcard side or business card? Get us some invitations. Invite the people you'd like to see there. Invite everyone you see. Uh, serve. There's opportunities for you to serve. You could serve and you could come. Boy, and when you come, come full of love and joy. Because I think if the room is filled with the love and joy that comes from the resurrected Christ and lost people come in, even before the gospel is shared, they'll say, I don't know what these people have, but whatever it is, I want it. Oh, and then we can follow up. When those people we bring and invite and, and they come to faith in Christ, we can say, hey, would you like to follow Jesus with me? And we can follow up with them. Will you put on your card what you'd like to do? And if you'll do that, I'll pray for you. And you can pray for me. And we can have an amazing time in two weeks of seeing people one to Christ. So what have we learned? The church are us. And our purpose as a church is to make disciples. And we should be so encouraged because Jesus said we're like a rhinoceros. We don't know everything that we're going to face tomorrow, but we know this, that when we move forward together, when we make disciples together, nothing will stop the advance of the gospel, not even the gates of hell. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming into the world, not to help good people get better, but to save sinners like me and like all of us. Listen, if you've never been saved and for the first time you understand that we're saved by faith and not by our works, Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray all of us who've received you that all of us would take a step, that some of us would team up, that, that we would say, Lord, who is my Paul and who is my Timothy? And we would team up. Lord, I pray we would lead the way. We would invite others to follow you with us. Lord, I pray that we would love your word, love to gather in here, love to get up and read it ourselves. Lord, help us to find our gifts, not to bury them and to use them. Lord, help us to abide. Oh, Lord, I pray for Easter. I pray that all of us would be a part of the team. We'd all pray. We'd all invite. Many would serve. Many would come. We'd all follow up. And we'd see a great harvest of people won to you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.